Welcome to Brown Bag Religion, the MF Kasser podcast. So welcome everyone to today's MF Kasser lunch. Um, Today we're all digital and that's because uh, the Books Not Only by Title project has a workshop in Zoom. And uh, one of the contributors to this workshop that we're having today is Hanna Tavanovko, who is an assistant professor uh, at McMaster University in Canada. And uh, she's right here with us now in soon, but in a couple of days, she will come to MF and be a visiting professor there. And she'll stay with us for about 10 days or so. So you see her here now on screen, but she will soon be with us in the hall, in the hallway. So you'll meet her there. Um, so she's my guest today, and uh, she is going to talk about um, uh, a very exciting topic. Uh, uh, the title is Scribalism as a Collaborative Effort in Antiquity, Rethinking of Female Scribes. Um, I guess that those of you who are watching, you know the drill, but I always repeat it, so I'll do it today too. So we have like 13 minutes or 14 maybe of a presentation, and then we do uh, a question and answers um, session. And if you do have questions, feel free to post them in the chat, and Esther will read them for us. So, Hannah, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to to give this talk today and thank you also for the, your kind invitation to join you next week in uh, the MF. I will be talking to you but I will be talking a little bit to this room too so if you see my uh, gaze wandering it's to try to contact be in contact with different audiences. All right. I must confess that often when I start reading a new academic book I first turn to the acknowledgement section. I love getting to know something about the author's background, how their research project started, who the collaborators are, and who contributed to the work. A particular genre of acknowledgement is the one where the scholar thanks their spouse for their continuous support and contributions to the present work. Scholars have pointed out how women's, also men's, but now I'm focusing on women, support to their partner's work does not only mean preparing meals, but how women have assisted their spouses with their own scientific contributions for long. In her article, They Also Dug, Archaeologists', Archaeologists Wives and Their Stories, published in Near Eastern Archaeology, Norma Dever has made some of such stories visible. Dever reports how the wives of some famous archaeologists of the ancient Near East directly contributed to their spouse's publications. Norma Dever was intimately familiar with this topic as she followed her former husband, archaeologist William Dever, to his digs in Israel and assisted him for years in different capacities. After Norma's death, William Dever wrote, and I quote, Norma typed and often helped to edit everything I ever wrote for 63 years. From seminary papers to my last book, Beyond the Text, published in 2017, altogether hundreds of items, end of quote. Given Norma's big influence on William Dever's publications, his career might have been different if she did not help him. Moreover, Norma Dever, like many archaeologists' wives, had an academic graduate degree in history. As she did not solo publish on her archaeological work, its recognition relies on William Dever's decision to name it. Without this, Norma's academic work would have remained invisible for us. 
Norma's testimony and article suggest that academic research outcomes may contain much more of such invisible work carried out, especially by women, than what we may have assumed previously. This talk will highlight how biblical scholars have for long overlooked evidence of women's scribal efforts. I suggest that similar to archaeologists' wives, women could have contributed to scribalism in antiquity, as, for instance, intellectual collaborators who brainstormed ideas, helped to write them down, collected evidence, and proofread writings. As scholars of ancient scribalism are now shifting to think about text production as a collaborative effort, women's possible involvement in it should be taken into consideration. So male-centered concept of scribe. Biblical studies, resistance to the idea of female scribes in the context of the ancient Jewish text production is significant. Meanwhile, there is quite some evidence from the cognate cultures that speak of women's involvement in text production. Different ancient Near Eastern text collections refer to women's scribalism. For instance, the Sifar archive mentions at least 14 female scribes and an oil ration list from the Mari Palace names uh, nine female scribes. A Near Assyrian personal list mentions six female scribes associated with the palace. There may be many more, but as ancient Near Eastern texts do not include gender marking, it's it is not always possible to identify a described sex. Turning to the classical Greek world, the most famous female author is Sappho. If she physically wrote down her texts, it's unknown, but scholars know about women who wrote letters and female scribes who, along with slaves, were responsible for copying texts. In sum, the texts do not thus witness to an individual odd case, but attest to female scribalism as a cultural phenomenon in the ancient Levant and, ancient, and Eastern Mediterranean area. In contrast to these contributions that witness the female scribes, ancient Jewish texts surely do not refer to women's professional scribal work explicitly. This silence has been interpreted as evidence of their disengagement in writing, and subsequently, scholars have focused on analyzing scribalism through the lens of male-centeredness. I will next explain what I mean by, the, mean by this, and why I think it poses some methodological problems. I will first address the material and then how scribalism is preserved in it. Finally, I will illustrate the bias between female and male scribalism in scholarship. So first, one needs to keep in mind that biblical literature is not an objective collection of texts that equally addresses all life spheres. Instead, given its particular interest in matters that we, contemporary readers, define as religious, the corpus mainly addresses a limited number of topics, such as the law, priesthood, and cult. Hence, when we consult these texts, we do not automatically find answers to many of our contemporary questions. Members of the books known only by the, their title project have studied material that can shed meaningful light on women's scribalism. Esther Brownsmith has highlighted how the texts of the cognate ancient Near Eastern cultures also witness to the world of biblical literature and suggested scholarship make use of it when examining female scribalism. Mika Hubia's work on late antique Aramaic incantation bowls sheds new light onto women's possible scribal activities. Following Rebecca Lesses, she's demonstrated how both men and women could have produced incantation texts, both as professionals who traveled from, from town to town or as local practitioners who served their own communities. To give one example, 
Lessis has drawn attention to one particular bowl where Komi's daughter of Mahlafta speaks in the first person for the benefit of herself and her children. As the formula preserved in this bowl is also found elsewhere, Lessis proposes that Komis writes herself or dictates the writing to a scribe. Some of the bowls preserve female names and biblical quotations. They raise further questions about women's relationship with text production. It's important to note that the ancient Jewish texts also preserve more references to women's writing apart from the incantation bowls. For instance, Talilan has paid attention on women's reference on, excuse me, Josephus's references to elite women writing letters. And I began to think about references to women's words preserved in the Hebrew Bible. So what about King Lemuel's mother, whose instructions to her son are preserved in Proverbs 31? Who composed this teaching? Who wrote it down? I have noticed that when biblical scholars debate about references to women's writing, their, our, discussion easily focuses on women's education. Always keeping in mind the scope of ancient Jewish texts, scholars point out that women were not educated in religion and thus could not have produced the texts that are known to us. Note that this question is in some way quite different from the initial one, the one concerning scribalism. Focus on education prevents us from focusing on women's writing skills. It's very challenging for the biblical scholars to discuss women's possible writing activities without addressing somehow their involvement and access in religion. So here I want to just emphasize how important it is um, to pay attention to what is meant by scribalism. Nevertheless, when we observe how education is applied to other possible biblical authors, we can see a very uneven treatment between men and women. There's ample evidence that the same scrutiny does not apply to male scribalism. Instead, my impression is that the scholars are seemingly open to the idea of, for instance, Shepherd Amos authoring an entire prophetic book. John Rittenbach argues in his recent commentary, and I quote, some researchers feel that, they are, that some minor material may have been inserted later by an editor, but a few doubt that a Jewish man named Amos was the author, end of quote. This approach assumes men, unlike women, were automatically versed in religion. For a long, scholars have been guided by the idea of a female-specific knowledge. We are used to seeing women in particular roles, and it hinders seeing them in others. Even those scholars who are receptive to women's scribalism observe their activities through a lens of female specificity. It's been suggested that women contributed to texts such as Song of Songs, The Testament of Job, or Liber Antiquitatum Biblicarum. The prime motivation to connect women with these texts appears to be that they all somehow amplify female figures. In the Song of Songs, the female lover is an active agent of her sexuality. Meanwhile, the authors of other texts add to their descriptions of biblical female figures. While I'm not arguing against women's involvement in these texts in some capacity, it is essential to clarify that assuming women only contribute to texts that address women themselves proposes them a very narrow intellectual world. Men can write about broader topics, including women, but women, if anything, write only about women. Moreover, as scholars seldom elaborate on how women's contributions actually look like, women's proposed involvement in those, these texts requires some urgent follow-up questions. The theory that women are familiar with the feminine topic and could thus contribute to it suggests intellectual rather than scribal activity. Did women come up with the idea of the text? Did they dictate their ideas to, the, to scribes? 
if we assume they could engage intellectually, what exactly prevents these same women from engaging with other non-female specific topics? As my third and final point, let me turn to look at some recent scholarship about female, uh, excuse me, Hebrew Bible scribalism. A leading study, Carl van der Toren's Scribal Culture Making of the Hebrew Bible, addresses the ancient Near Eastern evidence to female scribalism in one footnote. Another volume, John Scranock's Traductor Scripter, the Old Greek Translation of Exodus 1 to 14, a scribal activity, acknowledges that there were female scribes in some ancient Near Eastern culture, cultures, yet the author believes, and I quote, it is probable that most scribes and translators in Judea were male, end of quote, without any further explanation. These are just some examples of how the lens of male-centeredness continues guiding scholarship about scribalism. This bias adds to the different treatment of men and women in the texts, as we are accustomed to think to taking a male centrism for granted, we don't notice these biases. For example, we may say that the author's focus was not on female scribalism. Yes, but let me be clear, it means that overlooking, it means overlooking important evidence from cognate cultures that could add nuances to our understanding of scribes. Scholars invested in recuperating women's history cannot afford making similar methodological choices to miss a part of the data. Let me then move to discuss how these observations connect with the project books known only by their title. When ancient texts mention other texts, they tend to refer to male figures. For instance, the texts of the Hebrew Bible contained references to the book of the Acts of Solomon and the book of Jashar. These and other references that I again point to men guide, guide the biblical scholars understanding of ancient authorship. Namely, we visibly see men in the text and consequently assume women's absence in them. Recently, more and more scholars have emphasized multiple skills that scribes had in antiquity. They included, for instance, archivers, compilers, commentators, and translators. Thus, it seems likely that similar to today, scribal processes involved more than one person in antiquity. In other, in other words, scribes were unlikely to perform entirely alone. Catherine Hezer and others have analyzed the various types of Jewish scribes of the late Hellenistic and early Roman era. Hezer writes, Scribes, and I quote, would have, would have differed from each other in many regards, the languages and the types of texts they wrote, the writing materials they used, the ability to write from dictation, copy written, written prototypes, or merely, merely fill in forms, their writing style, competence, and proneness to errors, end of quote. Finally, I emphasize that if we only consider references that explicitly speak about women's scribal activities and antiquity, Ancient Jewish texts pose a challenge. They lack such explicit references. Passages that would undisputedly demonstrate, demonstrate women's writing activities. However, in light of the above analysis, male and female scribes appear to be treated very unevenly in scholarship. Women have been excluded from the studies or references to women are overlooked as peculiar, random cases that which do not speak about a culture. Hence, in my view, it's now time to make a difference between the witnesses to women's scribalism and ideological obstacles. In the beginning of this paper, I introduce you to Norma Dever, whose contributions to her former husband's scholarship is known to us because he recognized it. Unfortunately, our ancient authors are not here to talk about their collaborations. 
Thus, we need to make those questions. While the scholarship has now moved to talk about ancient scribalism as a collaborative work, we should consider this collaboration's impact on our understanding of women's scribal activities. Yet I propose more effort should be put in, into revealing the bias, because that may help us to treat the men's and women's scribal efforts in more even-handed ways. This goal is not only an ideological one. It does not only help us to bridge the gender, the gender bias, but it also helps us to make better scholarship. Thank you.